Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Everybody, it's Matt Camp, and today on the Busted Open Podcast, coming out of a jam-packed Raw, Bully, we talked a lot about the heel turn for Bailey. I like what I saw from Bailey. I'm excited to speak with you about it. I think we got some great takes. Last night was Bailey's moment. I always talk about moments in time, and she had it. What did you think about the Firefly Funhouse? The Firefly Funhouse, maybe the best episode yet. If you're going to feed Vince McMahon money, I'm in. But are we going to see Bray Wyatt challenge for the Universal Championship at Hell in a Cell? Or, Bully, is it maybe card subject to change? And what do you think about this? King Corbin. Is it just a matter of time before Corbin takes his spot on that throne, holding that scepter in the air with that crown over his head? Well, someone who won that King of the Ring in the past, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll see him at Raw next week. But we speak about his interaction with Becky Lynch on Straight Up with Steve Austin. Was that the ultimate way to put over the man bully? Great stuff to talk about today. Looking forward to it. Listen in right now. Coming at you, myself and Matt Camp on the Busted Open Podcast. A holiday episode of Raw. We've seen this in the past. Not always your most uh, angle-forward shows. Sometimes it's a lot of wrestling. It's, hey, people are coming off of their long weekends. Um, Maybe we don't throw a lot of stuff on the show. Bully, that was not the case at all last night. It wasn't the case. I agree with you to the to the extent of I actually uh, found myself thinking the same thing. And I DVR'd the show because I had a lot of things going on in the old Bully Ray household last night. So I was like, eh, it's a Labor Day show. No big deal. I'll scan through it if I don't get to catch every last detail. Well, as the, about 20 minutes into the show, I realized wow, this is actually going really good. I need to sit down and, and, and watch the whole thing. So I got to see at least two hours, and I, and I, and I scanned through the last hour. Um, I, I liked the entire show. I got to see all of the major things, and obviously we're going we're, we're gonna to get into every, um, all of the things that we like. Just sent a tweet about it. You liked the entire show, right, Matt? I thought it was a well-paced show. I thought it moved well. Um, I thought everything on the show didn't feel like everything had meaning. Everything There was a reason behind everything on the three hours of the show, whether it be the King of the Ring, and we'll talk about how that went down at the end, the open of the show with Seth and Braun, obviously the closing angle with Bailey and Becky and Sasha. Um, everything connected, you know, a little bit there with Roman, 
connecting back to the stuff with Daniel Bryan and where that's going to go. Uh, oh, by the way, there was a tease for The Undertaker next week on SmackDown and a little commercial there. So everything that happened on the show took you somewhere, right? Bobby Roode and Ziggler in the open, and then they get a win over Ryder and Hawkins because they're on their way to a title shot. Uh, the Miz beating Cesaro. Why? He's on his way to an intercontinental title shot. So everything that happened on the show was progressing somewhere. Obviously, bigger leaps and bounds than others, but in the three hours, I thought it flowed well. And like we said, for a week, for a holiday weekend show, we got a lot. There was a lot to sink your teeth into, and uh, a big part of that was right at the end of the show. I'll tell you what. Here's when I know the show was going well. When that closing angle was happening, I didn't even realize it was 11 o'clock. I went, whoa, big spot here. That, oh, that's the show. That's, and that was a hell of a way to go off the air, and I thought it put that uh, angle. It gave it that much more impact, that it was not a cliffhanger, but they didn't linger, Bully, too long on the after effects. I mean, we literally got... Becky getting the crap kicked out of her and taking chair shot after chair shot as the show went off the air to the point that like you almost wondered how much longer was that going on? How much worse was that beatdown? I thought that made it even more impactful that we saw her down on the ground and not even a chance for a reaction from anybody from the crowd other than the uh, initial cheer. But I think people kind of were booing at the end. Nah. No, no, no. I, I watched really closely. Not only were people cheering, there was um, a, a yes chant that had broken out with at least 50% of the crowd. Um, I'm going there, off of uh, videos that came out after the show, just to, okay. be, to, to be clear. I know I didn't say if, that, but people posted watched, after there was some booing after the fact. There was, there's about, if you go back and you watch the last minute of Raw, when and and I thought Bailey did a phenomenal job of taking her time, and last week, m- me and Dave had been talking about moments in time that make a wrestler winning a championship does not make you it it might be your moment in time, but there are often other moments in time that help to make a wrestler and i and I actually had spoke about. Becky Lynch, you know, people want to say that, oh, Becky winning the championship at WrestleMania and holding both of those belts in the air were her moment in time. No, it wasn't. I told Dave last week and I told the listeners last week, Becky's moment in time is after Nia Jax shattered her nose across her face and she was standing in the crowd with her with her arms spread wide, almost like, almost like Tommy Dreamer in his pose. That was Becky's moment in time that will live forever. And if you watch straight up with Steve Austin last night, which I thought was a phenomenal episode, yep. Steve actually asks Becky, about what was your moment, and she says that was her moment. And I was really happy to see uh, a performer of Becky's, you know, maturity level in the ring because she she's not she's not young, but she's not old. She's still right. got a lot to learn. She understood that that was her moment in time. And last night, when Bailey, when that smile came over Bailey's face, bang. Let's, that let's, was her moment in time. Let's hear exactly what happened last night. And Sasha Banks from behind with the backstabber. Unloading here on Lynch. And now Bailey coming in to put an end to things. Bailey and Ben are their best friends, but enough's enough. No! Why? Bailey! Bailey's unloading on Becky! 
What the hell is happening? Bailey said she wouldn't be overshadowed. So there you go. At, apparently it was after the fact. The yes, see, here's the thing. I feel like crowds cheer when big moments happen, regardless of what the big moments are. That was a massive moment in the show. It was something different. It was shocking. You know, it reminds me, Bully, of any time someone cashes in money in the bank. If you're a face, if you're a heel, there's just the crowd is excited to see something happen. And they saw something major happen. So they got behind it. And I think people were kind of pushing for this to happen for Bailey for a while. So I think there's that initial reaction. But apparently when it was off the air, the booze started to come in because then it's wait a minute. She did that to Becky. Now, we didn't get to see that, and maybe that's something that WWE will start to put up on their social media uh, in the next couple of hours. Maybe that's a possibility. But I wasn't surprised to see the excitement and that kind of reaction from the crowd just because it's become such a thing, such a moment to react to that kind of stuff. It was very, it was a big deal for that crowd to say, hey, we're here for this. And I think that's why they reacted the way they did. There are plenty of Bailey fans out there in the WWE universe that want to see Bailey do well and want to maybe want to see that edgier side to her that I've been yearning for. I said, I've been saying since day one, I don't know if I've ever said it to you, Matt, but I've said it to Dave and the nation. Bailey was too much treble and not enough bass. And for those of you that don't understand, treble are the highs in the music and the bass are the lows in the music. And she was always up here and she was always so happy and yay, everything is all you know going to be great and I want to hug everybody. Last night she said you can take your hugs and shove them up your ass. And, and that's the edge that Bailey needed. She had her moment in time. I thought it came off really well. The smile... Sasha standing there watching. It was almost, uh, you know, very uh, Star Wars-esque where, you know, the, you know where the, the Sith Lord sees the turn of the Padawan, you know, on the Jedi. And listen, a lot of people were chanting yes because a lot of people don't like Becky. Yeah, that too. You know, there are a significant amount of people out there who when Becky and Rhonda were going at it or Becky and Charlotte were going at it, that took Rhonda and Charlotte's side. So it's not like Becky has 100% command of the WWE universe. There are fans of other women out there, and that's what you got last night. For the most part, not for the most part, in totality, I thought it was a good turn. And the fact that it happened with only two minutes left on the show. You never saw, you you didn't think it was going to happen because the show was basically over. Right. It was over to the point that you went, all right, they put this in the main event slot. We saw Sasha come out. Maybe there was going to be a conflicted Bailey, but they didn't draw it out too much. It happened. It went off the air with it basically still happening. You didn't get enough time to react. And now you're tuning in tonight because Bailey is the SmackDown champion. Are we going to open the show tonight with Bailey? Is this going to lead into next week now? We didn't get a chance to have her talk, have Sasha say anything. We got a real quick ending of I just did that. Ha ha. 
were together, but where did this come from? And if you kind of trace this back, Bully, since the end of WrestleMania, when they dropped the tag titles, this has kind of been a slow burn. I don't know if it's been intentional, but there has been a little bit here of Bailey. The edge has been coming for a while now. Cashing in is not something, you know, you know using the Money in the Bank briefcase. When she did against Charlotte, a down Charlotte, would two years ago Bailey have done that? I don't think she would have. I don't know. Probably not because that's not what she – she'd want to be fair, right? She'd want to be, uh, this is the way I want to set up this matchup, and it's going to be great for the women. And maybe she would have lost that. She cashes in Money in the Bank. She took out Nikki Cross. She struck the first blow about a month ago. I'm going to get out ahead here. How about her shoving Charlotte out of the chair? last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was. That was not a Bailey thing from two years ago. So there's been little things here that if you're connecting the dots, she's been pushing more in this direction. She just went all the way over the line last night. So I do actually think that there's been a slow burn to this and there's been elements of this coming and a change in her character and she just went all the way over the line last night. And they're going to have to – one of the things that I loved is the connecting of the dots between the two shows because you're correct, Matt. You know, she shows up on Raw, but she is the SmackDown Women's Champion. So she – you know, we should see her on SmackDown tonight. What is she going to say? Will we get an explanation of why she did what she did? Um, They have to be careful because last night – the fans told us that they were behind this turn and they enjoyed it. So does she show up tonight and fans are on her side? Uh, The WWE Universe right now, um, they don't exactly go in the direction that WWE wants them to go in every time. Look at what happened with Becky. They wanted to go in the heel direction with Becky and it just wasn't going to happen. So uh, the, the biggest positive I see coming out of last night when it comes to Bailey is the fact that I have to watch SmackDown tonight. And when you're talking about the WWE and you're saying I have to watch, actually when you're talking about any wrestling Anybody, company sure. and you say I have to watch, that's when you know they're doing a good job creatively because they've given you a cliffhanger, they have you emotionally invested, and you want to see the follow-up. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app. So, what did you think about me and Becky on uh, Straight Up Steve Austin? Uh, that was tremendous, by the way. I, I have watched I watched a couple of the clips from the show, but I happened to just leave it on last night because I wanted to see what that interaction would be. Um, it was great. Man, Austin is... I don't know what's happened. I don't know if he's got people talking to him, but his Instagram and his Twitter and bringing the podcast back. I don't want to say he's reinvented himself, but I kind of like like fun Stone Cold. He's not mean. There's still an edge to him, but he's having a good time. I guess that's the best way I would put it. Steve is a really funny and engaging guy. He has been hiding behind, and and not purposely, he's been stone cold for so long on camera, but the stone cold behind the scenes is an extremely fun guy. He's a, you know, he's just a good dude to be around. And uh, I'm very friendly with Steve 
you know, on the side. Not like we hang out and drink beer and a buddies, you know, but we, you know, talk to each other a lot. And one of the things that I said is I really liked the Broken Skull Ranch. I thought it was a cool show. Oh, but I love that, that show. Yeah. But that was Steve being typical Steve Austin. You know, you're going to come on in here, you're going to do 30 push-ups, you're going to climb the rope, <laughs> and you're going to you know, jump over the water, or I'm going to whip your ass, and that's it. See you down the road. You lost. Goodbye. You know, that's the Steve I would see on Monday Night Raw. What I'm seeing now on Straight Up with Steve Austin is the Steve that you would see backstage, or the Steve that you'd go hang out at Waffle House with, or the Steve that you would drive you know, you know, to the next town with. This is the Steve that, you know, if you were on tour overseas and on the bus with, just talking about rock and roll, hanging out with his buddies, and just having fun. And, and, and when you get to see this side of Steve, uh, t- to me, it's, it's so entertaining. Uh, the, the episode last night with Becky Lynch w- w- was so much fun. And, you know, before the show came on, Matt, we were talking about it. And I used a word that I don't use a lot. I, I thought it was kind of cute. Because you saw how Becky was mesmerized by being in Steve's presence. You also saw a tremendous amount of respect from Steve towards Becky. Totally. Because, because Becky told Steve what her goal was and that she achieved it at WrestleMania. And when you have a guy like Steve Austin who had a very similar career path as Becky has, he respects that kind of drive, that motivation, that desire to make it to the top at WrestleMania. So when you hear Becky Lynch saying that she came up with the man and she put the man on a t-shirt, Steve popped huge for that because he knows he's the one that said, put the smoking uh, skull on the back of the T-shirt and just emblazon, you know, stone cold in its forehead. And it worked. So they were able to relate to one another. They had fun together. It was a great episode. I love this new show, and I love the side of Steve that we're getting to see. Uh, You know what I liked about that was, and I think this is why Steve likes her so much, so often he has talked about in the last probably couple of years on his podcast, just going out and doing it and and having to kind of stake claim to your character and, and, and you got, you, you know, not the scripted words. And yes, that's part of what it is now, but you got to go out there and make it yourself. And I think that's why he likes her so much because that's what she did, right? She was not in a place she wanted to be at. She was kind of like in this weird wrestling purgatory where people clearly liked her, but the company wasn't putting her in that position. So she put herself in that position. And Go ahead, go ahead. She put herself in the position to get blasted in the face by Nia Jax. But, but before that, though, before that, though, before that happened... What happened with her? People wanted to see her win that match at SummerSlam, and she lost. She, the people wanted to see her win Money in the Bank, and she lost. The, the, the company didn't put her in that spot. She talked her way. She worked her way into that spot. She had an organic following that she was able to create. All right. they, couldn't igno- they, they couldn't deny that, right? At some point, you can't deny that. I 100% agree with you, and I want to get to the Nia Jax thing in a sec because they brought that up. But 
with what she has done. Steve has kind of said, you know what? Sometimes you've got to go out and do it on your own. So how do you do that on your own in the last couple of years? You get on your Instagram. You get on your Twitter. And there's a way to get outside the lines. There's a way to say, okay, you can't script me on here. You can't give me something to read on here. Uh, I'm going to do it in a way that's not disrespectful of the company. I'm just going to show my personality. As Steve said, I'm going to turn it up. You know, Stone Cold is me turned up to 11. Becky was going, this is my personality. I'll turn it up here. And then she got to turn it up on TV. And that's what we get now. She said when Steve Asher last night, you know, where does Becky Lynch start and Rebecca Quinn end? And she's like, I don't know if there's really, you know, any difference anymore. And I don't know how you take that. But that's how confident she is in herself. And that came from her being a little bit louder, asserting herself a bit more on social media, and gaining that following so that when she didn't win Money in the Bank and she turned on Charlotte at SummerSlam and people were mad that Charlotte had come out again on top, the crowd was behind her. Even if she wasn't supposed to be cheered, they felt it. Just like I think last night people were happy that Bailey did what she did because they had been with her for so long and they had been on her side and they felt her frustration. I think that happened with um, Becky in the last year, and we see where we're at with her. I think that's the same kind of reaction that Bailey got last night from the people that cheered her. Now, is that going to get uh, Bailey continually cheered? Uh, Hopefully not, because of obviously she's going against Becky, and Becky's gotten to that point where... um, there's a trust. Isn't there a trust level bully that if you're going to have Bailey turn on someone, it's someone like Becky to get the desired reaction? Absolutely. There is no doubt that that turn on Becky was put in place to get a desired reaction. It's going to be the follow up that determines whether or not the desired reaction is going to stick. And I just want to get back to one point about Becky and Steve. What do Becky and Steve? have in common and why what is the one thing that they both can relate to how do they look at each other and have that mutual respect for one another because they did one thing that all wrestlers need to do it's only two words what is it matt you're smart go ahead no you gotta tell me they got over they got over Whenever young wrestlers ask me, hey, bully, what should I do? Get over. (laughs) Well, how? I don't know. Just go out there and get over. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Steve Austin had a very organic moment, and from that moment on, he got over. Uh, um, Becky had the organic moment of getting her nose shattered, and that helped to get her over using her Instagram got her over Matt I once saw this thing on social media and I wish somebody could find it for me and please tweet it to me somebody came out with this list of like the top 15 things a wrestler needs to do to succeed in wrestling I think it's William Regal but go ahead uh, well, the first one was like, show up on time. The second one was like, you know, uh, dress appropriately. Number three was, you know, work really hard. Number 15 said, get over. Wasn't Regal, My response to that, huh? Wasn't Regal, never mind. 
Okay, number 15 was get over. And you know what my response to that is? It's do number 15 first, and everything else will work itself out. Because once you're over, you're an unstoppable force in the wrestling business. They don't give a shit what time you show up. They don't care what you do wrong. Because if you're getting over, you're making the company money. End of story. That's why certain guys can get away with certain things. Brock walks on water. Why? Because Brock's over. So if you want anything in this business, get over. End of story. Get over or get out. And work hard to do it because you can do it. And if it's doing what Becky did, I, I'll give you the perfect example, and I know you know this because you worked with them. Spud, now Drake Maverick, Oof. has done such a damn good job at working his ass off and learning along the way. I, I'll give you a name I don't know if people know has influenced him. Jeremy Borash, who now works, oh, obviously, for WWE. Got a story for you. Got a story watch, for you. Keep going. Watch Drake Maverick and, and think back to when he got the GM job at 205 Live. Look at his Instagram. That's him. That's him connecting the HDMI cable to his hotel TV to put the 205 lo- logo behind him so he can do a little Instagram promo about the show of the night. Was 205 Live put in such a bright light? No, but you know what? He said, this is my role in the company. I am going to get the absolute most out of this. I'm going to make sure there are more eyeballs on it because I'm on that show, and I'm going to promote it on my own. I'm going to edit my own videos. I'm going to go uh, out there and make flyers for the 24-7 championship. I am going to put myself out there in every way I possibly can so the company cannot deny me. And look where he is now. That guy, if there is an example of someone who's been able to overcome shortcomings, and I don't mean that as a pun, but honestly, he's a small guy, and it's not easy for him to get to where he's been. But that guy is a student of the game. He loves wrestling, and he has worked his butt off to get every ounce of his talent into every part of what he does so you do watch him and you do see him and now there is a Maverick 24-7 t-shirt and now he is in a storyline that he probably worked his way into because of how hard he worked. That is someone that everyone should be following and taking examples and saying, holy crap, if I don't think I'm over and I'm not working hard enough, well, guess what? That guy's working hard. Uh, Zack Ryder did that years ago. You see uh, Drake doing it now. Uh, Malcolm Bivens, the former Stokely Hathaway. Look at his Twitter. Don't be tweeting out inspirational quotes and gym selfies because nobody cares about that. If you don't think you have a spot and you don't think you're getting your chances, create your own chances because someone, a couple of the names I mentioned, are certainly working their way up the ladder by creating their own chances. And you know what? If the biggest inspiration is Becky Lynch and being on Stone Cold Show last night, then that's what it has to be. But if you want to get over, as you said, you can work hard to do it. And I'll tell you right now, Bully, unlike when you came up or even Stone Cold came up, there are a lot more outlets to go do this on your own. You have chances to put yourself out there and without getting yourself in trouble with the company. So guys like Drake and Becky, where they've gotten to is because they've worked hard and they've made the company notice. And as you said, what do they make the company? They make the company money and they're not going to turn a blind eye to that. And that's why Becky is where she is. Talking about that watershed moment for Becky. Let's hear from that from last night. You kicked, scratched, and clawed your way to the top. What do you think is tougher? Getting to the top or maintaining and sustaining at the top? Maintaining. 
Absolutely. Here's the thing. You are a, uh, you're a hero in the chase and a villain in the victory. And so I think you constantly have to be evolving and then you just have to work even harder to maintain that. What do you feel is a defining moment of Becky Lynch up until this moment? I think the moment that's going to go down in history is, is me bloodied on top of the arena with my arms out, claiming that this is my show. I know you were concussed when that happened, but you had the wherewithal and resolve to savor that moment and take that in, and it was captured. I was out on my feet. I know, but now, with a clear head, and you look back at that picture, what do you think? I think my subconscious is a badass, too. <laughs> That's a tremendous line, Bully. Uh, I love that she said it like that. She, she... That's something that where you just you just pick it up along the way. That, that stuff like that, lines like that, that are sound bites that way. Um, I think that's a confidence in her. But I love that she recognized that as the moment, not as you said. You and you brought this up. The moment at, at WrestleMania was the end of of that journey. Of course, not. So it's not all over, but that moment was everywhere. That was the moment. You know, I think where maybe the company went. Oh, there it is. That's who it is. And it, it, was, it was lucky. So check this out. Okay. I'm, I'm, glad you said, uh, I, I'm glad you said what you said. The moment at WrestleMania with Becky holding both championships over her head and the pyro going off and the, you know, that, that hyped moment in time. Completely planned, right? Yes. That's, it's, it's that was can- the moment that was supposed As, to end WrestleMania. Yeah, yes. It's a canned moment. It's a gigantic canned moment, but nonetheless, a canned moment. Austin 316, was it planned? Nope. Becky getting her face shattered and standing up there in the middle of the crowd with her arms spread wide open. Was that planned? Absolutely not. Not the concussion. None of that stuff was. When moments like that happen out of nowhere, that's when you know you have something. And those are the moments that will go down in history. I I love the fact that Becky is mature enough to understand that standing at the top step of an arena with, with the people, amongst the people, is more of a moment than holding both championships up over your head at WrestleMania. And and that's the one that's gonna in, in fifty years. Yeah. When 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 you know people are still talking about Becky Lynch, that's the moment they will be talking about. And that episode last night, like I said, really good. Love the ending too. Yeah. Oh well. How about so the ending is we get the Broken Skull IPAs, which are fantastic, by the way. They are really good. And I'm not asking to be sent some. I bought. By the way, I'm not Lagreca. I bought them. I've enjoyed them on my own dime. So I'm not asking for a free T-shirt or free beer like LaGreca. I will take that, but I can tell you that I have purchased that tremendous IPA. So they share the beer, and she hits Stone Cold with a stunner. The stunner was awesome. Steve sells it like a million bucks and spits out the beer like Shane McMahon. And by the way, he doesn't get up at the end. He says, hey, it's something I already knew about. It's DTA. He ain't doing that for anybody. I know it's a TV show. I know it's entertaining. I know it's not really in a WWE ring. But the fact that he did that and we got that moment at the end of the show, that's, I really believe, Bully, a a massive sign of respect to Becky Lynch to do something cool like that for her. It's a huge sign of respect, and it was fun. And 
I said on the show that, I, listen, I'm happy that they finally drank that beer together because I think Becky Lynch and Steve Austin drinking a beer is a very symbolic, fun, and needed moment for wrestling fans because despite the fact that there are these comparisons to Steve and Becky, they both have a very real-life compatible story whether it's their journey to the top outside of the ring or their journey to the top inside of the ring. So seeing them, two different generations of wrestlers, share that beer together because they have that common bond of the journey and how they got there is very symbolic, and it's an awesome moment for fans. I wanted that moment on the Raw reunion. Mm -hmm. I thought we should have gotten Steve and Becky having a beer together. I thought Steve should have invited the entire locker room out, or at least all of the baby faces in the locker room out, to drink a beer. I wanted to see the passing of the torch from the Attitude Era to the current era, and not really necessarily a passing of the torch. Just let's all drink a beer together. I didn't get that. But I got it on the show last night. Steve came on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I asked Steve, why did you not drink a beer with Becky? And Steve said, on Busted Open, well, Bubba, I didn't think she needed it. Well, if she didn't need it, why did you drink a beer with her on your show and let her stun you on your show? I understand that you might not think she quote-unquote needs it, but it definitely didn't hurt. As a, as a fan and as a wrestler, I yearned for that moment of Austin and Becky drinking a beer together. And then I got the icing on top. I got the stunner. Steve doesn't do that for just anybody, and I don't think Steve has ever done that no. for anybody. And that's what will make that a special moment in time. Uh, here's what I here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the put my TV hat on. I think that was taped already, and that's why he said what he said. I think it was done. Correct. I think he knew it was coming. Amundo. So it's it was correct. Saved for his, Amundo it was saved for his show. We got a cool moment there. It would have been weirder if they did it and then did it again. Maybe so. Whatever. Because I, 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 I was... by the way, him saying that whether he was being truthful or not, him saying that put her over even more. I didn't think she needed it. That's where I think she's at. Yeah, th- that's cool, but I but don't. That was really, his cover I, for it. I, I don't. That was his cover. Steve was covering for himself and for her when he was on Busted Open. Sure. There's no way in hell that an old school thinker, wrestler, worker like Steve Austin would ever think that. Well, Becky really doesn't need that moment. Of course she does. They brought in Mike Tyson so Steve Austin that's could right. have that moment. So Steve knows, but he's protecting Becky. And he also knows what he's got on the back end on his show. So I kind of called Steve out just a tiny bit. And I said, hey, man, you know, you needed needed Vince. Everybody needs somebody. So obviously I don't hold a grudge against Steve or anything. But but, but I kind of – I think I know why. I think he said it knowing it was coming. Let's just put it that way. And he framed it as a way – to put her over that much more, saying, I don't think – he put her on a bigger pedestal, saying, I don't think she needs it, knowing it was coming. So his cover was a kind of a way to put her over, and we got it anyway. So it's a cool ending anyway. We got it, and the reverence and respect he has for her, 
If you want to talk about passing the torch in any way, we got it. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. Serious XM, no car required. Bully and Mark Henry tomorrow. Is there a name for that? Is that the world's strongest show? Is there? Is there? Come a... on, you know That's there's good. a name for the Bully and Mark show. Go ahead. It's called the Hall of Fame and Pain edition of Busted Open. I just want to let you say it because it's your show. World's strongest bullies. Oh, I like that too. That's good. World's strongest bullies could be good because we. You know why? Because I think we need more of that from Mark. We get Mark's a very happy, nice guy, and I feel like you you pull a little something different out of him, which oh, is good. Obviously, you didn't hear the well, story about him threatening to choke out a fireman with the fireman's hose. Oh yeah, I heard it. So did Alex Metz. He said, "I'll choke the shit out of you with your hose." Like he even put a little bit of Ron Simmons in there. <laughs> Like, like you Mark's a heel. <laughs> I know. Mark's a heel. Mark's a straight up heel. You guys are all so confused by the personalities on this show. Dreamer's a heel. Lagreca's a heel, and Mark Henry is a heel. Bully is the only baby face on this show. Really, you are? Yes, because I'm the most truthful and honest. The truthful, yes, truthful. I would agree with. You're not going to pull any punches. You will tell it like it is, and and honesty goes a long way. It's why people. We're behind Bailey because they believed in her from day one. And last night, she took her aggression out. And it was, you know what? Good. You deserve to take that aggression out. And we've talked a lot about that today on the show. And I know we have more calls coming up on that. Um, We have SmackDown tonight. We've discussed, do you have her open the show? Do you not show her to the live crowd? Uh, Do you show her in the back first? I love the idea of her faking a hug. Maybe going to Sasha or just going over a kid and, and just totally ignoring a child who's looking for a hug from Bailey. Uh, that's good. Also to her, for her well-being, Bully, she doesn't have to worry about weird dudes trying to hug her on her entrance anymore, which Oof. she kind of has to nicely get around sometimes. She doesn't even have to bother. Now she can even make fun of that, which would be an even better thing. I, I, I feel like she's going to personally, she may not, I don't think she'll say this, She's probably going to be happy to not have to hug people anymore. I not think every... LaGreca would be one of those weird dudes who tried to hug her. Dave's going to take over the gimmick, actually. It's, it's, that's his next T-shirt. Well, well it, it's Dave, I chased the hug LaGreca. Yes, he's the new hugger. She's and you know really he was people. working the, the, the uh, pneumonia angle. Oh, he... Because you get freak shit in the hospital. I am shocked he did not tweet more about being in the hospital and saying, Oh, Randy, I watched you. You know that shirt I asked you about? Can I get that? Or... Hey, uh, AEW, I see you're, uh, you're coming to Baltimore in a few months. Would love to be there. Not that far of a trip. Man, I'm glad I watched the show from the hospital the other day. Couldn't miss it. Had to, be, had to see every part of it. What a work. Yeah. It's all fake. I saw people brought him food in the hospital, by the way. Oh, free food. Free food, of course. Free thanks food. For, thanks for the barbecue. I'm surprised they didn't tag the restaurants to get Three more. hots in a cot, free food from your friends. Probably got a rub down from one of the nurses. Did you, you know, send him anything? letter rubbing his feet. <laughs> Did you send him anything by any chance? Yeah, I sent him something. I took a we crap got... in a box and I sent it to the <laughs> hospital. 
Here's some medicine for you, Dave. Yeah. This will make your throat feel better. And he, See and you later this week. He, he's texting me, and he's complaining. Oh, I got pneumonia. I don't feel good, this, that, and the other thing. I said, listen, tell him to give you a shot of penicillin. Go home, gargle some Jack Daniels, and get some pierogi from Violetta. You'll be fine. Did he really think that asking for your sympathy, work and hurt, was going to work? Did you not get knocked out by Chris Jericho or somebody in one of those ladder matches? I feel like I've heard that story before. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Exa- no. Sympathy? You got the wrong guy. You want sympathy? Go to the Hallmark store. Yeah, go to Twitter. Those are people that are giving him well wishes. You can go get those people that are clueless, that are asking, that are believe this whole thing, this, believe this charade of Dave just trying to make a, an extended weekend out of this Labor Day weekend. While we worked, by the way, yesterday and are working yeah. here again today. Don't worry, Dave. We'll prop up your program if it's oh, still your wow. show. I don't know. I don't oh, know. Still show. oh, see? You, you just went too far. You I just did. went too far. I had to do it. I had that- to. It's right there for me. I can see him at home right now. That son of a bitch. That son of a bitch, Matt Camp. That piece of crap, Matt Camp, trying to take my job. Fussa, fussa, fussa. Maddie and I, Maddie and I. Maybe it'll get him back to work, you know? Maybe, maybe it'll get him back to work. I don't have I think to he's gonna carry be back anything. On, I don't I have to carry anything on. with you. Yeah, Thursday. <laughs> I don't have to. Thank goodness. Imagine it was Dreamer. I'd be, I already have a bad back. That would, that would destroy me. I'd be laid up in bed for real. Anyway. Firefly Funhouse was last night, and you have an idea, as you just talked about at the beginning, at the end of hour number two, that maybe the next one to take the Amandable Claw. Have they named that yet, by the way? Is there a name for the man? Are they putting a name on it, or is it just? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it needs have... You think it needs one? Not, not really. I'm not a big fan of every single move or something needing a name. Like, I see that a lot with, like, like when I was watching AEW, like, they were calling these moves, like, oh, that's the Tope Con Suicida Diablo Nacho Special. Uh, yeah, it's just a dive. Uh, you know, not everything needs a name. Excalibur does. I mean, those are, those are the names. But that's always been a thing that I think happens outside of WWE more is calling every move, whereas WWE is more about the signature moves. This is obviously a signature move. That's what I'm getting at. But... I kind of like it that it's the mandible claw. I kind of like that he exists in this different reality of sorts and that I love that they're t- that we don't see him every week. Who did the mandible claw first? Mankind? Nope. Well, before that was who was before that? Dr. Jerry Graham. Okay, right. And it was called the mandible claw. It's one of those moves, right? It should just be that. Or it was called the mandible choke or the mandible something. That's what it should be. That's what it is. The mandible claw. Dr. Jerry Graham did it. Mick Foley did it. The Fiend does it. End of story. Mandible claw. It doesn't have to be the fiendish claw or the mandible fiend. Just the mandible claw. If uh, what they continue to do with him is, is how this is going to go, I love it. I love that he has become a special attraction to a point where we don't see him every week and now we see him in different elements. I love that they're keeping that other persona around, that Mr. Rogers-esque character around where he is still in the Firefly Funhouse. There's an acknowledgement. You know, it's not like he's split personalities, right? He knows what he is, but it's the two hands. I don't know. I don't know if he knows what he is. That's the great part. He does acknowledge, you know, he apologizes when he, I love that that almost fake apology or the apology comes from the guy in the sweater 
not the guy with the crazy pants and the mask. The apology comes from the, 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 the nicer version, but the nicer version, who I do believe is self-aware. Last night, he Actually, fed— Go ahead. Oh, it, it's very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It is. So, yes, he does know the other, the other person exists. Which I it's think is good. Like the, it's like Bruce Banner knowing that the Hulk exists. But he embraces that as opposed to Bruce Banner not wanting to turn into the Hulk, right? I got to hold this thing down. Bray knows what that is. Correct. He knows it's part of him. Feeding also, Vince money. Vince, feeding Vince McMahon money is the greatest thing, the greatest gift. I don't know if it was made as a gift. Um, what do you think Vince's reaction was to that? You think he thought it was the funniest thing in the world? Loved it. Ha, ha, ha. I love it. I make so much money. Feed me more. Ha, ha, ha. He loved it. And, and you know what the interesting part is? Earlier in the show, we were talking about getting over. And if you can get over, it means that you're making money. Thus, a boss, a booker, or a promoter will be willing to deal with whatever they need to deal with as long as you're over. Right. Because you're feeding them money. What was Bray doing? Feeding Vince money. Basically, he's saying he's unstoppable because I make too much money for the machine. So what they, I I guess they kind of acknowledged, right? And I think people have seen this before. When there are shows coming up down the road, sometimes it's actually going to happen. Sometimes it's placeholder stuff. You get an announcement of a match. It happens a lot for Ross, and it's usually the dark match. You know, it's a six-man after Raw goes over. It's Roman and Seth and, uh, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose whatever, in the past, the Shield, whatever. It's, it's these two guys against, you know, these two heels, and it's after the show's over, and that's just a way to get people to stick around. And That's another, you know, one selling match. But sometimes, like what was announced, Hell in a Cell, future uh, promotion, is that The Fiend will challenge either Seth Rollins or Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship. And I was a little surprised that was happening already, but then they acknowledged it last night. And he said it, and the Vince puppet said it. So they put it on TV, Bully. That's going to happen. Is it too quick to do that? Because it feels like if they're doing it, He's got to win. Not only is it too quick, I don't care. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I, do, we, do we actually get there? I'm not quite sure. Okay. That's the fact the, that, that, they that But they acknowledged it. I would have I I been with you if, you know, if it happened and it was out there and it would have been like, all right, they're not going to do that. They just threw that out there or they're going to go in a different direction because plans change, and they certainly do. But they put it on TV. That's like... Hanging over this match now. Card subject to change always has been, always will be. As long as if they go in a different direction, it makes sense and it's as entertaining as having him in Hell in a Cell. Listen, if you get Bray in a cell against Braun or Seth and the bell rings, you need the bell to ring again to end the match. And one or two things has to happen. Especially because it's a cell. There's got to be a winner, right? You can't get out of that match. It's in the no cell, win. right? Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, listen, it's, it's pro wrestling, so anything is possible. Are you going to beat Bray Wyatt? I think that's a horrible idea. Are you going to put the championship on Bray Wyatt right now? I think that's a horrible idea. 
So I don't know the the direction they're going in. All I know is I've loved everything so far. But Matt, let me ask you this, because I have a very, um, I have an interesting opinion on something. At least I think it's interesting when I ask myself the question. From the minute we ever saw Bray Wyatt, from the very first day you saw him up until now, when do you found yourself the least interested in Bray Wyatt? Day one before this, before all the stuff he's been doing? From the very first day you saw him do a Firefly Funhouse up until last night, when, has, when was the mystique gone? Maybe wrestling. That's all I could. I don't. Correct. I, I, when I don't the want bell to even rang, say that about negative. I don't want to say that negatively because what he did, I was still intrigued by. But it wasn't the other stuff. The other stuff was better. It wasn't bad. The other stuff was just better. I want to make correct. that clear. Correct. But once the bell rang against Finn Balor, it was a wrestler versus a wrestler, and Bray wrestling. We've seen Bray wrestle before. We know Bray is a great wrestler, a great entertainer. Now he's just doing it under the fiend mask with a couple of different mannerisms. But once that bell rings, that whole mystique is gone. So how do we keep the mystique? We have him wrestle infrequently. I don't want to see Bray Wyatt wrestle inconsequential matches i only want to see him wrestle the right guys at the right time for the right reasons the comparison that has been made with him going back before this current incarnation is that he could be and not that anybody could ever be this but undertaker like where he is a special attraction and because of the way he speaks and mysteriousness and the cult following. And, you know, he, he's almost on his own that way. And I feel like for a while, and this was, I mean, the guy won the title like six or seven times. Undertaker was not someone I threw into the championship picture because I didn't think he had to be because he was so unique and he was so special on his own. Bray, when he won that championship for the month that he had it a couple of years ago, it, it felt cool that he did it. But it never felt like he needed to be going after that. I don't know, and maybe this would change in six months or eight months or a year. I don't know if I need Bray Wyatt anywhere near the WWE Championship because I think he is so unique and so different. It doesn't feel like that's what he's thinking about. It doesn't feel like that would be a motivation for Bray Wyatt as the Fiend, being the champion. You've said this. Since, since he's pulled up, just create havoc, right? Create craziness. It's not necessarily a be about the ring. Terrorize. I feel like that's what this character is. And that character has nothing to do with the WWE Championship, or I'm sorry, the Universal Championship. So maybe it's striking while the iron's hot, but don't you feel like the championship really doesn't have anything to do with the motivation for this character, or, uh, or should it? 
One thousand percent. I don't. I don't believe believe a championship is this character's motivation. I believe this character's motivation is terrorizing anybody and everybody who has ever wronged him. And he alluded it alluded to it in his promo last night about Braun and Seth being a part of his past, as people have may have wronged him. I just got to go back and correct myself on something. Go ahead. Because I said Doctor Jerry Graham with the mandible claw. I think it's Doctor Sam Shepard. Was the first person to do it. I, I think I just might have gotten the uh, the guys confused. So it's either Dr. Sam Shepard or Jerry Graham. But, but the point was it was called the Mandible Claw from day one. So I just wanted to go back and Dr. Correct. Sam Shepard is correct, by the way. I just looked Dr. Sam right. Shepard, okay? Yeah, I just got the guys confused. I just, I, I, I'm probably going to get hammered for making my mistake. But I, I wanted to acknowledge that I made a mistake and I'm correcting myself. By the way, um, so I'll give you the, I'll give a quick background on this. Mick Foley, uh, the move is based heavily on the Mandible Mandibular, mandibular, I can't even say this, mandibular nerve pinch. Mandibular. Mandibular, thank you. Uh, nerve pinch, finishing hold to 1960s osteopathic physician turned wrestler, Sam Shepard. There you go. Cool. So th- there's where it came from. Um, but I agree with you on the title and Bray Wyatt. And you know what? Maybe that's what the finish of the match is. Maybe that's how they, they get out of him not being the champion and still standing call, tall is that it's more about terrorizing. And I can, you know, maybe it's I could take this championship whenever I want. I just don't want it yet. I don't know if there's right. a way to do that, but I just don't feel like he needs the championship yet. Um, I, I, there, there, it does add intrigue immediately. And now he's kind of overhanging over this whole thing. And by the way, if he, we go to your idea with Stone Cold, then he's definitely overhanging this whole thing there's there's a reason to get him involved like what you're hearing catch busted open live weekdays from 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 or on demand with the sirius xm app i said earlier bully that the whole show everything made sense everything went somewhere on the show and i thought that match was a great example of it you had in the opening segment the club and Ziggler and Bobby Roode have that big brawl and the contract signing with Braun and Seth. And then Cedric's cutting the promo backstage. And then he gets attacked by the club just because they're asserting their dominance over the show. And then Cedric's got to go in as more of an underdog against a, a, a heel, a piece of crap like Baron Corbin. And he fights valiantly and he loses. That's all connected and all connected in a very good way. Look how they connected. There's a thread there throughout all of it. It all makes sense. It wasn't contrived. It wasn't forced. It moved multiple stories along. It takes Baron to look, you know, beating up a guy who had been beat up and he wins and he moves on. I loved every single part of that. By the way, those two guys had one hell of a match. Baron's in trouble. Because Baron is in big, big trouble. Well, the other part is that Ricochet and Small Joe. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Let's not even go there yet. I'm telling you, Baron's in big trouble. Go ahead. And if he's not careful, things are not going to go well for him. You know why? Why? He's going to turn himself babyface. Did you look at the crowd last night after Baron went over? People were cheering. Why were they cheering? Because he had a great match with Cedric Alexander. 
Matt, I remember years and years and years ago when I was a fan watching Arn Anderson wrestle every week on TV. And Arn would obviously get booed because Arn was a heel and a member of the Horsemen. He was a bad guy. We boo the bad guys. But what would Arn do every single week? He'd come out on TV, he'd wrestle a tremendous match, and he'd lose. And every single week, he'd have the best match of the week, but he'd lose. Best match of the week, and he'd lose. What was the constant best match? After a while, people started to say to themselves, why are we booing Arn Anderson? He puts on great matches. I think that's starting to happen with Corbin. Corbin gives 110%. He always has a good match. He plays his part very well. All his physicality is solid. He very, very rarely makes a mistake. Can you tell me right now, can you pick apart Baron Corbin's in-ring style or his in-ring game or ability? Tell me what's wrong with it. No, it's not. He For his size... Um, I think his mannerisms are good. I think it's all there. I think it's all what you want. He does exactly what he should do in the ring. Did he have a great match with Cedric Alexander? He did. did. Do people like the Cedric Alexander style? Yes. Did Corbin wrestle Cedric's style? Yeah, a bit more, I think so. It was more of a fast-paced match. It was fun. It was exciting. It didn't slow down. Did it have great false finishes? Yes, yeah. Were the people invested? Yes. When you he have all of when you have all of that, it's almost impossible to boo. Despite Should he have the just fact- cheated more? Like is it stuff like that? Is it little stuff like that where you cheat more and you just give people a reason to be pissed at you? Is it slowing down the match just a little bit so they can't get that pumped up about what they're watching in the ring? I can give you a couple of ways to make sure that you're booed more, but I don't think that is the the um, the direction the WWE wants to go in. I don't think they're as concerned about the boos. They're going to let people react however they want to react. And what I saw last night from that Baltimore crowd was people. I'm not telling you the whole arena did this. Sure. I'm not even telling you half the arena did this. I saw people on their feet cheering for Corbin because Corbin is starting to get over with his work rate. People, especially in 2019, what do wrestling fans love? Work rate. And his work rate is becoming that damn good where he can work with just about any anybody. So if he's not careful, he's going to become a baby face. Now, of course, I'm being uh, facetious and saying he needs to be careful. He's getting over, and he's going to be over. And there's a great chance he's going to be your king of the ring, and he's going to be able to run with that forever. Yeah, okay, so I'm with you. I still think he's the favorite. We had Joe and Ricochet go to a double pin. They go to the video review. They don't answer it in front of the crowd. We get it after the fact that he thinks he's going to advance. They both eliminate each other on the double pin. I go to the finals, which a move I would have liked. Because that, that would have given me reason to be mad at him. Oh, he just got by. He didn't have to wrestle again. He's taking the shortcut. Whatever it is, whether it's a shortcut or not, it gets him to the next round. Instead, they go triple threat with another, I guess Joe's a heel, but people like him too. And then Ricochet. 
I expected it to be Baron Corbin and Ricochet. I, I We said this yesterday. I don't know it was on the air, off the air. I expected Baron Corbin and Ricochet in the semis, and I, ex- I, I expect the winner of that match to win King of the Ring. Now it's a triple threat. Do you like that direction that they went triple threat with this? I'm going to try to make a comparison here that I know you'll be able to appreciate. This is a, a tournament, right? It is. King of the Ring tournament. It has brackets, correct? Yes. Do you? What else is a tournament that has brackets? The March, NCAA. March right? Madness. March Madness. Okay? Yes. Do you remember that one time when those two college teams that were wrestling in the quarterfinals ended up in a tie and both teams moved on to the semifinals? No, that wasn't a thing. Oh, wait. That doesn't happen? You mean right. when, the, when the game or the match ends in a tie, you don't just move both teams on? What do you normally do? Overtime tiebreaker add five more minutes so not only did they go to the videotape but then somebody i don't know who made the decision was it the board of directors did jack tunney come down from heaven and get into uh you know the ref's ear and tell him but like i don't know who made the decision maybe i missed it i don't know if they told us they, they, they the, said john chone talked to the officials that's all they said they kept it very vague to the officials what officials yes. is there a senior official Okay, did Mike did senior official Mike Kyoto make this decision? Okay? Uh I, I don't know who made the decision, but the decision to me is weird. Because I've never seen a situation where a tie ended up in both people advancing. Why didn't they just do five more minutes? Why didn't or, they just I would have the, the match all over again? I would have said they both eliminated. They're both out. And, and that would have been the better idea. And why would it have been the better idea? Because it would have gotten heat on Corbin. Because now Corbin stands there and goes, well, looks like I got to buy. And then if he wins the King of the Ring, he wins it with an asterisk because he truly didn't go through everybody. But if he get uh, go, because here's what I would say with this. Now I feel like he can't win that triple threat because then he's overcoming the odds as a heel. Now I feel like this leads to Ricochet overcoming the odds and winning a triple threat, and that gets him to the finals, and then if he wins, he wins. But I feel like if you're going to win a triple threat, you're overcoming the odds, especially against two heels in Joe and Corbin. This doesn't feel like it sets up for Baron to win now. Correct. Now it sets up for Ricochet to go over on Joe. Thus, Baron never loses in the tournament. And now you do Ricochet and Andrade. Yep. So you can have your king and queen. I'm not telling you that's what's going to definitely happen. I'm just saying if we had to go in a different direction than Baron, that's the direction I would go in. So here's the two ways they could go, I think, right now, just looking at the bracket. Baron wins next week. He goes to the finals. Okay. There's, there's your raw half. You got Elias and Ali tonight. You got Gable and Andrade tonight as well. If Baron is going to the finals, that tells me Ali's going to the finals. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Not Chad. I like Chad Gable, but I don't think it's, it would be him. No way. If Ricochet goes to the finals, I think it's Ricochet and Andrade. Correct. That's what I, I believe that also. Okay. I don't think it's Elias because I think Owens will get involved. And they have that to go to. But I'm with you. If Ricochet wins and then becomes king of the ring, 
I think Barron's the first guy he feuds against because Barron can say, I never lost. I beat Cedric. You guys had a double pin. I didn't lose that match either. So he could say, I never lost to you. I never lost a match in the King of the Ring. You do not have a right to that crown. I deserve that crown. And maybe they put it up for grabs. And that crutch, that bitching and moaning is just as good as him proclaiming himself the king of the ring. What they've done with the Corbin situation, as much as I dislike the three-way, they've given themselves an out no matter what the finish is. If he were to win the king of the ring, well, there's an asterisk there. He won it because he had a bye, and now everybody else could say, you know damn well you didn't really win it because you had a, you know, a bye. And right. then if he loses, that's his crutch. Hey, man, I never got pinned. Samoa Joe didn't pin me. Ricochet didn't pin me. Ricochet pinned Samoa Joe. Yep. Th- thus, you don't have the right. Nobody has their right to call themselves the king of the ring. I'm the uncrowned king of the ring. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.